0: Well, have you ever tried denying that you were doing something even though you were caught red-handed doing it? Maybe as a, a kid or as an adult, uh, you just didn't take responsibility, didn't, didn't, know, don't know, didn't own up to your mistakes or your failures. I can honestly say, That's never happened to me in my life, except right now that you're catching me in a lie. Uh, But as a parent, there have been several occasions where I caught my kids red-handed doing something and they would deny they were even doing a thing. One of those occasions happened on the very first night that we were moving our third child, Michaela, into her big girl bed from her crib for the very, very first time. Uh, She shared a room with her sister, our second child, Mariah, and they were over the moon that they were now both going to be in their big girl beds. Uh, Just to show you the cuteness factor I was dealing with, here's a picture of Michaela, uh, almost two years old. Apparently, her hand grew later. I'm not sure what happened to her right hand there, but it was missing. Uh, That's Michaela, almost two. And this is Mariah. She was almost three at the time. Great parenting. Point a gun at the camera, take a picture. But that was uh, Mariah there and it was a, a night like any other did our normal bedtime routine we we gave them a bath put their jammies on brushed their hair and their teeth read them a bedtime story said a prayer and then told them both you both need to stay in your beds you know no getting out to play uh, it's time to go to sleep and so we went out of the room and sure enough as expected a few moments later we heard from their room just commotion laughter giggling playing and so i go back to the room and get them back in their beds girls you got to stay in your beds no getting out of of the beds to play. And, you know, so I shut the door and go back out. And, you know, I, I was trying to be patient, but my patience was wearing thin after time and time again of doing this. So I finally went to the room. I said, listen, girls, there's no more getting out of bed. Like if you get out of your bed, Daddy's going to have to punish you. And I won't tell you what punishment I threatened them with, but it starts with S and ends with panking, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I left the room and sure enough, a few minutes later, Like, there it was again, laughing, giggling, playing, and I had had enough as a parent. So I go marching down the hallway to their room. They must have heard me coming, because when I opened the door, they were absolutely dead still. They weren't moving a muscle. They were both in their beds, completely silent. I knew they'd been awake, so I, I just stood in the room and just watched them for a while. All of a sudden, Mariah's eyes pop open, and I said, Mariah... Were you guys playing? And her eyes got real big, and she's like, no. And she looks over at Michaela. I look over at Michaela, and her covers were pulled up to her neck. And she was doing this with her eyes. Just squinting as hard as she could, so it was obvious she was not relaxed and asleep. So I go over to the side of Michaela's bed. I get right down by her face and just watched her. Pretty soon, she couldn't contain it any longer, man. She lost it and started laughing, just, pa ha just laughing, and her covers were still up to her neck, which was odd. So I pulled the covers back, and Michaela, our almost two-year-old, had shed her body of her jammies, taken off her diaper, she was completely naked, and then she did this with her hands, and there were socks on her hands as a puppet. I laughed so hard, I couldn't even punish them for for disobeying their their dad. Now, the point is this. They were caught red-handed. They were busted, and neither of them took responsibility for what they were doing. But we get that. They were two or three years old. But that story and their response reminds me a lot of ourselves, especially as men, So many times, instead of admitting who we are and what we've done, we pull the covers up over the mess we've made. But if we are going to rise up to be all that God created us to be, then we have to start taking responsibility for every area of our life. If you're new here, My name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And for everyone who's with us, including anyone who's joining us on video or in one of our video services later today, uh, just thanks so much uh, for being with us today. We're in week number three of a sermon series that we are calling My Declaration, A Challenge for Men to Rise Up. And in the series, we are walking through some of the themes, the main themes from the book that I was able to release this last week, and we're still selling them today, so if you want to get a copy of the book for yourself that I wrote, it's out at the table in the lobby for $15. If you want to let someone know how they can get one, you can also get them on my website, jeffmanis.com store. I'd love for you to get one, even get some to share with some other people in, in your life. Something was started within us when we were born. Something was placed there by God himself. So we began the series by saying we're going to rise up to finish what was started in us. That starting something is simple. It's finishing that makes us strong. Last week, then, we talked about pursuing purity in our purpose, that once we choose to rise up, once we choose to start living out God's purpose for our lives, the very first thing that we're going to find in our path is our purity or lack thereof. And we said last week that the progress you make in your purpose is directly linked to the purity you choose to pursue. That leads us then to today's discussion where I want to talk to us today about taking responsibility. That once we start pursuing our purpose in Christ, and once we start pursuing purity because of Christ, we need to start taking responsibility for who we are in Christ. I know that not everyone who is here believes in God through faith in Jesus. You may not believe what I believe about God or about Jesus, and maybe you're wondering, you're asking, well, how will this message apply to my life? That's a great question if you don't believe what I do. What I love about this message, what I love about you being here, is this is one of those messages, not every message is like this, but this is one of them, where you could take the principles I'm going to share, Remove the faith aspect from it, and it still applies to your life. It still benefits you in your life. I don't think you'll experience the full benefits of it, especially as it relates to our faith. The eternal benefits will not be applied to you outside of faith, but they're good principles for life nonetheless. So not only, though, will you you see some good principles for life, my, my, my ultimate desire is that you'll also see some amazing truths about God and how he interacts with us in our life, how he enables us to live the life that we are called to live, to to take responsibility, to, to lead and love well in the authority that he has given us. The reality is all of us have been given some level of authority in life, right? Like, all of us have some level of authority. As men, specifically, as it relates to this book, a real man won't use his authority to advance and promote himself. A real man takes responsibility for the authority that he's been given. He dies to himself and then lives to advance the cause of Christ for the sake of everyone else who's around him. That's biblical manhood, by the way. Biblical manhood has nothing to do with hunting and grunting, right? Biblical manhood has everything to do with leading, loving, and serving, taking responsibility for who I am in this life. Here's the thing, though. It's awfully hard to do that when I'm not being honest about who I am. It's hard to take responsibility if I'm not honest, truly honest, about who I am. That leads to our big idea for today. It's a little bit longer than what we'd normally have, so it's on the screens if you want to write it down or snap a picture of it, that's awesome. It's only when I'm completely honest about who I am that God's power is completely unleashed into what I do. It's only when I'm completely honest honest about who I am, that God's power is completely unleashed into what I do. Now, I don't know about you, but I want God's power unleashed in what I do. Therefore, I've got to be honest about who I am. So, here's the big question we've got to ask then What does it take to be honest about who I am? What's it take? to be honest about who I am. Main scripture, Genesis 3, 7 through 13, very easy to find. It's the very first book uh, of the Bible in the Old Testament. It'll all be on the screens as well, so you can follow along there. If you don't own a Bible, we'll give you one. Just ask for a Bible at guest services. We'll get you one free of charge. We're jumping into the middle of a very powerful story here. It's part of the story of, of creation and the fall of man. It's a story that affects all of us that God created the earth. He placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. He told them, you can eat from any tree in the garden you want to except one tree. Eve was then deceived by the serpent. She ate the fruit, gave some to Adam. He ate the fruit. Sin then entered the world, and we've all been affected by that now. Starting in verse seven, Genesis three says this. At that moment when they ate the fruit, Their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? It's a powerful question. It's only when I'm completely honest about who I am that God's power is completely unleashed into what I do. So what's it take to be honest about who I am? The first thing I see here is this, that I need to acknowledge where I am. I've got to acknowledge where I am. And you understand that's, that's more than just sitting in church. Okay? We're talking about spiritually, where am I? God asked Adam, where are you? And the same question he asked the first man, I think he's asking all men and all of us today, where are you? Where are you? Don't forget, God didn't need to ask that question. You realize that? God didn't need to ask. God didn't need to ask where Adam was because he needed to know. It's not like Adam was so good at hide and seek, he found the one spot even God couldn't find, right? Like God didn't throw up his hands in the air. It's like, well, angels, I lost the man again. No, it's not what happened. God didn't ask Adam where he was because he needed to know. God asked Adam where he was because Adam needed to acknowledge it. And quite frankly, so do we where am I? What am I hiding from? What responsibility has God given me that I need to rise up and take hold of it in my life? Who in my life has God put me around that I need to rise up and take responsibility to lead and love and serve them as Christ has done for me? What's caused me to go running into the trees and hide from God? or hide from what God's called me to do, or who he's called me to be. God asked Adam, where are you? And he's asking me the same question today. He's asking you, where are you? The reality is, until I know and acknowledge where I am, I can never move forward to be where I'm supposed to be. That's just true regardless of faith or not. That's true in everyday life. That I'll never get to where I need to go until I know and am honest about where I am today. I'll never forget the time I was trying to get back home from Chicago after a ministry conference that we attended there. Four of us from the church I was serving at at the time attended this conference. Uh, I bought the plane tickets for, for two of us, a mother and daughter that were on the trip with us. They bought their own tickets. We all flew in through Chicago O'Hare. We rented a car, we attended the conference. It was amazing. On the day that we were leaving, uh, their flight, the mother and daughter, their flight was a couple hours ahead of ours. And so we dropped them off curbside at the airport. We kind of took our time, got something to eat, saw some things, returned the rental, went back to the ticket counter to check in for our flight, and we heard the thing you don't ever want to hear when you're at an airport. They said, sir, I can't find your flight. I'm like, what do you mean you can't find my flight? Like, we leave in a couple of hours. To which they said, your your name is, is Manus, right? Now, God has gifted me with the spiritual gift of sarcasm so it's hard not to use that in moments like this. I'm just saying. I was like, yes, it's menace, the same way on the ID you're holding in your hand. So they said, okay, do do you have your ticket? I might've rolled my eyes when I handed them my ticket, but I handed them my ticket and they clickety-clacked away like they always do and they said, oh, I found the problem, okay? I found the problem, you're at the wrong airport. I was like, "Homie, say what? What do you mean at the wrong airport? They said, yeah, you're at Chicago O'Hare. Your flight's leaving from Chicago Midway. I was like, how is that possible? As if I had nothing to do with it, I booked the tickets, right? Apparently in my haste, my excitement for the great deal we were getting, I booked the cheapest flight into Chicago through O'Hare and the cheapest flight out of Chicago through Midway. Thankfully to the world's craziest and fastest cab driver, we made it to Midway just in time for our flight and we got home. But until I knew and acknowledged where I was, the wrong airport, I was never going to get to where I needed to go. And the same is true with our faith. It's only when I'm completely honest about who I am that God's power is completely unleashed into what I do. So what's it take to be honest with about who I am? I can keep hiding in the trees or I can acknowledge where I am and come out of hiding. This is a great question, by the way, not to ask one time, but to ask yourself often, if not every day. Where am I? God, with you, with my faith, where am I? And what do I need to do next? Adam replied in verse 10, he said this. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, God, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Sounds like my opening story, does it not? (laughs) Second thing we got to do to be honest about who I am is this. I've got to admit what I've done acknowledge where I am, but also admit what I've done. One of the reasons we don't want to acknowledge where we are is oftentimes that means we also have to admit what we've done. When God asked Adam, where are you? Adam should have said, I hid. Not because I was naked, because I sinned. I ate the fruit. I believe many of us oftentimes are standing naked before Almighty God, willing to admit how we are, we're naked. We're not willing to admit what we've done yet, even though God already knows what we've done. God already knew where Adam was, and he already knew what Adam did. He wasn't asking because he was angry. He was asking because he wanted to help. He wanted to heal Adam and Eve of their sin in their life. Listen, this is so so huge. I hope I will deconstruct a little bit of maybe some of our wrong thinking we have about God and how he responds to us. I think sometimes we read a passage like this or we view God in our own life as if he's storming down the hallway to our room because we messed up again and he flings the door open and he yells, "Where are you?" But I don't think that's how God responds. God, I don't think, asked out of condemnation. I think God asked out of concern. He he didn't ask so he could hurt Adam. He asked so he could help Adam. I don't think God screamed at Adam. I think he called out to Adam. He called to him. It wasn't, Adam, where are you? It was, Adam, where are you? Where are you? I think God's voice sounded maybe more like the song we sang. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. When we sin, when we fall, when we mess up, I'll never experience the help of the Lord if I continue to keep hiding from the Lord. I think we got to respond like David did. King David, the man whom God says the man after my own heart, he messed up big time. As the king, he pursued pleasure instead of purity. He actually called a woman Bathsheba to come to his house. He had sex with her. She got pregnant. To cover it all up, he had Bathsheba's husband murdered and then brought Bathsheba into his own home to be his wife. God sent the prophet Nathan to confront David. It's kind of like David was in a garden of his own and God was using Nathan to ask David, where are you? And in Psalm 51, David responds to the question back to God. This should be our response when we sin as well. Psalm 51, 4, and then 7 through 11 says this, against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy, Again, you have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Isn't that a powerful prayer? It's a powerful prayer of restoration which is what God wants to do for us when we sin. God wasn't looking for Adam and God wasn't looking for David so he could ridicule them for their sin. He was looking to restore them from their sin, to bring them back into a right relationship with him. God knows until I acknowledge where I am and admit what I've done, I cannot ever get to the place where I'll be all he's called me to be. So it's only when I'm completely honest about who I am that God's power is completely unleashed into what I do. I've got to acknowledge where I am, admit what I've done. And then verses 11 through 13, God says, "Who told you, Adam, that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat?" I don't know about you, but if I were Adam, I might have tried to change the subject, right? Like, "Who told me I was naked?" I sock puppets <laughs> something but but notice adam didn't try to change the subject he tried to shift the blame he said this the man replied it was the woman that you gave me it's her fault she gave me the fruit and i ate it then the lord god said ask the woman what have you done And she's like, that stupid devil, it's the devil's fault. The serpent deceived me, proof that all snakes are evil. She replied, that's why I ate it. Isn't that curious? That just shows you how stupid sin makes you. That standing before God who knows all things, Adam tried to say it was Eve's fault. Eve said it was the devil's fault. So the third thing i got to do, to be honest about who I am, number three, is this. I've got to accept all the blame. got to accept all the blame. And listen, please hear me. I am not talking about accepting blame for things that were done to us outside of our control. The enemy will speak lies to you, telling you it's your fault that person did that. That's what I'm not, not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like David, accepting the blame for what I've done against God. God asked Adam, who told you you're naked? Did you eat from the tree? It's like me catching Mariah that night. Have you guys been playing? And Adam's reply, it was the woman that you gave me. Notice, he wasn't even blaming the only woman on the planet. He was actually blaming God for giving her to him. Everything was great, God, until she showed up. It sounds in our language maybe like this, God, if they wouldn't have done, or if God, if you wouldn't have done, or if they would just do, or God, if you would just do, then I. It's not God's fault. It's not anyone else's fault. Can't even really blame the devil. The devil can't make you do anything. But listen, God won't make you either. He gives us free will. God will never force you to take responsibility. He only provides the opportunity to rise up and do it so he's calling out where are you where are you it's only when i'm completely honest about who i am that god's power is completely unleashed into what i do so how do i how do i get honest about who i am i gotta acknowledge where i am admit what i've done accept all the blame And some days you start the process over again. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes if you would. I just want you to just contemplate on the question, where are you? Where are you? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Maybe you're here and everything literally, spiritually, everything's good right now you've been honest about who you are, where you are, what you've done, you've accepted the blame for the things you've done in your life, like you are tracking with God, I would just encourage you, do not let up. Don't allow the devil to get a foothold in your life. Don't go running back into the trees. That when that time comes that you do fall, be quick to confess and receive forgiveness making your heart right with God. You might be here and you're, you're a Christian, but there's been something you have fallen back into, some sin or something you're not rising up to do that you need to, and you're, you're, you are hiding in the trees. You're afraid because you're naked. You, you might need to do some confessing today. Confessing to the God who says, my arms are open wide. That forgiveness is not something you earn. It was bought with the blood of Jesus. And by confessing our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And let me say this to the believers in the room. Through the power of the resurrection, you have the ability and authority to live a godly life got to lean into the spirit, connecting with him. You might be here, though, and you're like, I've never even put my faith in Jesus. That last song we sang is for you. Here I am, a broken sinner. For all these things, I am the worst. But you still wanted me. Your grace is so amazing. You lavished it upon me that I can barely speak. Your grace is overwhelming. I know I don't deserve it, That I can barely breathe. So hallelujah, which means praise to God, is all I will speak. If you're here today and you are that broken sinner that's never put your faith in Christ and you want to do that, I want to give you that chance right now. Jesus died the death that we deserve. He was crucified on a cross. His blood shed for our sins. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He is now ascended to the right hand of God the Father where he is waiting to come back and rescue those who believe. And you can be a part of those who believe by faith in Christ, forgiveness of your sins and new life today. If you want to do that, I would ask you to just say this prayer silently in your heart to God. Father in heaven, thank you for paying the price for my sins in Jesus. Jesus, I confess all my sins to you. Everything I've ever done, I give it to you. Please wash me clean and make me new. I believe you are the Christ, the Lord of my life. I turn from the way I have lived. I'm gonna pursue you by the power of your spirit in my new life. Thank you for loving me. I'm coming out of hiding today to live in you, and I will do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, almost every week, almost every week, we give a chance for folks to pray that prayer and put their faith in Jesus, and sometimes no one responds, and sometimes many do, but we always want to give the chance. So you're among family. It's a safe place. I've prayed that prayer in my own life. Dozens of people in this room have as well. And we want to celebrate with you. So if you just prayed that prayer to ask Jesus into your heart for the very first time, would you do something very bold and brave and lift your hand up and just leave it up right where you are and say, that's me. I just asked Jesus into my heart. Praise God right here. Anybody else? Raise your hand right where you're at. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Want to make sure I see you? All right. Praise God. Praise God. You can put your hand down. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, it's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the hardest one that you'll ever live out, and we want to help you. So we wrote a devotional for you called 21. You can pick one up out at guest services out in the lobby. They are absolutely free, no strings attached. We'd love for you to have that. We'd love to know that you made that decision too. If you'd mark on a connection card sometime today that you put your faith in Christ, let us know. That would be absolutely amazing. Also, If you just put your faith in Christ, you should get baptized next Sunday. That would be awesome. Talk about a next step. So sign up for baptism for anybody that has not been baptized. Uh, You can sign up at the Next Steps wall right after service. Don't delay. Don't delay. Make that your next step. Let me pray for you guys, then remain still. Got a few closing remarks. Lord, you're so good. Thank you that you are ready to forgive, full of unfailing love. Lord, thank you for the new life that we saw happen right in this service. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for myself, I pray for our church. Lord, help us, help us to be honest about who we are, acknowledging where I am, admitting what I've done, accepting all the blame. And Lord, as we run with you and towards you, I pray that you empower us to live for you every day in Jesus' name, amen.